I got to tell you the truth. I've spent most of the $656 million that I won in that mega million drawing in my mind. I've already spent a lot of it. I really have. And uh, as far as you know, I've been very uh, benevolent with that money. But isn't it amazing? What, what would winning $656 million do to your life? What, what kind of what change would that kind of coin bring to you? I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to change the direction of your life a little bit. Uh, maybe uh, the things you were pursuing, uh, maybe the things you don't have to worry about anymore. I, I guarantee you this, it would change your circumstances, wouldn't it? I mean, maybe uh, the reality of a debt that you're trying to pay, maybe the reality of college that you're trying to pay, maybe some of you just hypothetically have weddings in the future. I mean, how would $656 million change your life? And wouldn't we want to know? Interesting. No matter how much change it would bring, There was only one event. Listen, there's only one event in history that has happened, that has this kind of power. Listen, this kind of power to do three things. Only one event in history has happened that has the power to bring this kind of change. First of all, is this, the power to change your past. Or at least the power to cover your past. Your past mistakes, your past sins. Your past failures, those things that you look back and think, oh, man, I wish I had known. There's only one thing that happened that has the power not only to, to cover your past, but has the power to empower your present where it has meaning today. Where right now, today, right now, your life has purpose, has meaning. There's only one event that ever happened that not only can cover your past, empower your present, but guarantee your future. Guarantee it. Guarantee your future and what it will look like. And it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the celebration of the reality to today. That because Christ lives and the victory that is ours, our past truly can be covered. Our present truly can be empowered and have meaning. And our future is secure. Let's look at this victory at 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, We're going to read verses 1 through 4 that talks about this victory. And then we will look at verses 54 through 58. Lean into this victory, my brothers and sisters. Celebrate it. Maybe you don't know of this victory. It's amazing what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes to us and says this. Now let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I've preached to you before. You welcomed it then and still do now. For your faith is built on this wonderful message. And it is this good news that saves you if you firmly just believe it. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. We know it is. I pass on to you what was most important. And what has also been passed on to me, what is most important is this, that Christ died for our sins, as Scripture said he would. He was buried and raised from the dead on the third day, as Scripture said. And now the fruit of that victory in verses 54 and following. Death, it's swallowed up in victory. 
O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is a sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. How we thank God, who gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ our Lord. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and steady. Always enthusiastic about the Lord's work. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Did you hear that? In Christ Jesus, be strong and movable, knowing that what we do for the Lord is never useless. Let us pray. Father, would you come like only you can through a broken sinner like me and proclaim so clearly the victory that your Son, our Savior, has won for us. God, may you open up every ear. Father, for your glory, for the health of your church, would you shine brightly in every mind. Father, right now, would you wrap your loving arms around every heart and cause them to beat for you. Father, would you show to us so clearly what your Son has done so that we understand that our our past is covered that we really can understand that, that we have empowerment right here in our present. It, it, it means something. And that our future is secure. God, would you come? Would you come with that victory? And would you make us more like Jesus? And would you come with such love and, and such tangibility that, that God, when we leave here, we leave with you and we leave proclaiming and celebrating the reality that Christ lives. And as Christ lives, so can we. Come to receive glory and give us joy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, if I did win the lottery, it'd be pretty amazing because I don't play the lottery. And by the way, if you do play the lottery and you win, remember that's a bad thing to do, so you gotta tithe at least 20%, all right? But if I did win the lottery and I won something like $656 million, I would imagine that I would get more stuff. Wouldn't you get more stuff? But you know, when it comes with more stuff, there's always an expense. There's always a danger because once you get more stuff, you got to figure out two things. How do I haul around my stuff? And how do I store my stuff? And I want you to know, hauling around your, your stuff it can be really, really dangerous. I know it firsthand. It'll be June 13th, it'll be 25 years that Katie and I have been married. And we got married right here in Central Florida by our founding pastor, honeymooned on New Smyrna Beach. And then we packed up a U-Haul trailer of all of our possessions and went to start our life in New Jersey. Are you from Jersey? Aren't you glad you're here? Well, we love Jersey, no, no, no. We, we, we were heading up to Jersey. I, was, I took a job working in Midtown Manhattan. Katie took a job teaching in a Christian, great Christian school in New Jersey. We loaded up that big, huge U-Haul truck thing, you know, and, and we put all our stuff in it, and we headed up I-95. Man, I've been on I-95 a bunch. You see, I, I grew up in New York and went to school in Florida, so 95 to me, I, I knew it well. So as we were driving along, we get into South Carolina. It's pouring rain. Uh, we get close to a place called Walterboro. And I turned to Katie, I said, now, Katie, I know this is crazy, but I've driven this a lot, and I have had the best Whopper I have ever had in Walterboro, South Carolina. 
you mind if we go to Burger King for lunch? Remember, my honeymoon sparing no expense, right? <laughs> well, we pull in, and uh, not only do we have a U-Haul trailer, we're also pulling uh, her car behind us. Uh, uh, we go in where it says, you know, RVs and trucks around this way. I went around this way. I say, you know what? We're making great time. Let's just go through the drive-thru, and we'll just get on our way. So I just drove right up to the drive-thru without even ordering. I'll just get past everything that had clearance issues. I thought, wham, took out the drive-thru single hand. I kid you not, knocked it completely down. Boards were falling over, popped a hole in the truck. The light swinging back and forth. People running out of Burger King. The lady coming in the window says, this has never happened before. Is this my first time too? South Carolina cop showing up. He had his hat pulled down low. He had his raincoat buttoned to the very top. I handed him my New York state driver's license. Oh, no. I thought it might be a good time for humor. What some people do for a burger officer. Most people go inside, son. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) Hauling around your junk could be dangerous. I gotta tell you, hauling around your sin can kill you. Can be very, very dangerous. And the victory that God proclaims to us in Christ Jesus is this amazing victory that we don't have to haul around our sin and junk anymore. The resounding victory in Christ Jesus, a victory that covers our past. Let me read again what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, death is, is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. How we thank God who gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is this saying? I mean, it says the sting of death has been removed. I mean, can, can you picture a stinger being removed? The sting of death is being removed. It's basically saying the penalty of sin has been paid. I mean, some of you feel that stinger right now. You say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I feel the stinger of death. I felt it. I felt it recently. So what does this mean that the sting of death has been removed? Here, here's the reality that, that Scripture tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. All of us. And all of us, uh, the wages of our sin, the payment our sin deserves is death. Scripture says that the soul that sinneth shall surely die. All of us have fallen short of perfection. All of us have messed up. All of us deserve death. But the good news of Jesus Christ is this amazing one, is the one who came, who's truly innocent, came and died our death for us. Now, the death that we deserve, the death being separated from the Father. And now he says, now, death doesn't reign. Yes, you sin. Yes, you deserve death. But guess what? You can live. Life reigns. The sting of death has been removed. Jesus has paid the penalty. But there's more than that. There's more. The power of sin has been broken through what Christ has done. Now that life reigns, he says, the power of sin that that enslaves us has been broken. Now, being filled with the Holy Spirit, living according to God's word, we, we can be free from those deadly patterns and the power of sin. But maybe my favorite part, the third part is this. 
It's incredible. The shame of our sin has been covered. You know how sin makes us feel when, we're, when it's exposed? Man, is it a shame. If I were to pick any one of you out right now and just be able to have the power to take your life and project it on that screen. If I were to take one last week of your thoughts and your deeds and all you had and project it on that screen, I would imagine that you would be like me. We'd be the first one out that door because of the shame. I don't want people to know the truth. I don't want them to know how dark it really is. God knows. He knows the shame of your sin. As soon as it entered the world, we hid from him. And here's, here, here's the amazing thing, what God has done. He's dealt with our shame. Let me, let me read to you this. Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, which was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins. He, he canceled the record that contained the charges against you. Now, holy God, who knows and sees everything and sees the sin against us, he took the record that was against us in a holy God. And here's what he did. You ready for this? He destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. Amazing. In this way, God disarmed the evil rulers and the authorities. He shamed them publicly. What they thought was public shame of Jesus hanging naked on the cross. He shamed them publicly with victory on the cross and nailing them to the cross. Here's what it means. Your shame, the shame of your sin, Jesus took it. And he nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross so that that shame can never haunt you. And the amazing thing it says is he, he proclaimed victory using our shame, saying to the evil and the, the uh, Satan and the authorities, I'm going to make a public spectacle out of you. You thought you could use sin to destroy them. You thought you could use their shame to drive them away from me. I cover their shame. I cover it through my, my victory. You know what he's saying to us? That U-Haul filled with your junk. That U-Haul filled with your brokenness. That filth of your sin. All the things you see in the rearview mirror of the decisions you shouldn't make. The choices that should have killed you. All the things you've done in a holy God's eyes. Listen to this, listen to this. Jesus says, I've unhitched the past. I've completely unhitched it. And there's, 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 the shame is gone. The penalty's been paid. The power has been broken. The good news, we don't have to live our lives hauling around the, the U-Haul trailer of our sinfulness anymore. Do you know that good news? I know you guys. I know that so many of you are still hauling around your past that Jesus has paid for. Get rid of it. Unhitch it. That's garbage. You're going to kill somebody with that stuff. Believe me, I know. He took our, 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 our shame. And now we can truly have this victory. A past is covered. Do you know it? Rejoice in it. But there's more than that. A victory that empowers our present. That right now, our present is empowered. Let me ask you, what kind of beachgoer are you? What kind of beachgoer are you? If you're going to go to the beach, which, which one are you? Are you one of those uh, uh, sun soaker inners? You know, all I want is a good chair, maybe a cool beverage, and just let me sit there and just take in the sun and relax. Maybe you're a sun soaker. Uh, maybe for some of you, you're walkers. Maybe, hey, I want to go to the beach and see God's beauty and, and walk up and down. 
maybe for some of you like me, you got to do something active. You got to be playing something. You know, uh, 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 what's that? Uh, bocce ball. Man, I'm good at that, as far as you know. Or Kadima. Or something, bumping around a ball, whatever. But maybe some of you, maybe some of you build sandcastles. Maybe some of you are sandcastle builders. But you know the problem about building sandcastles? You're just one good wave of of a whole thing being wiped out. Building sandcastles, you're just one good wave of having the whole thing demolished. And all that work you did, all futile, everything is absolutely vain. Let me ask you this question. How many of you feel that your lives are like sandcastles? How many of you feel like you're just one good wave away from being wiped out? You're just one good storm, one good wave away from everything washing away. Life at times seems so futile, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes it just seems so vain. But victory, the victory we have in this Easter empowers the present. Let me read to you again, verse 58. It says this, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and steady Always enthusiastic about the Lord's work. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord, nothing that you do for the Lord is ever useless. But what do we do for the Lord? We do for God. Well, here's what he tells us to do. Love him. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love the Lord. It's never useless. It's never in vain. What do we do for the Lord? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor is yourself. It's never useless. It's never in vain. God uses it. God uses it to transform them. What do we do for the Lord? We go out from here and we shine. Yes, broken. We shine in the midst of our brokenness and the fact that we're stumbling home. But we do it in his name for his glory. And here's the great news. It's not useless. It's not vain. It won't get washed away. I don't know exactly how, but I know it's true because God said it's true. All the things we do for Christ, all the things we do for Christ's kingdom, they last, they endure. They're not sandcastles. They're not just one wave away from being washed away. You know, one of my favorite stories that Jesus tells, uh, he told about a wise and foolish builder. I love this story so much that almost every wedding that I ever do, I usually tell this story. It's an amazing story of the similarities between two, one who's called wise and one who's called a fool. And they both are building their lives. And both of them, both the wise and the fool, they both hear God's word. It's very clear that they both hear God's word. But the foolish one says, I heard God's word, but you know what? I got a better plan for myself. I got a better plan for my life. I'm going to do things my own way. So the foolish one hears God and says, "Mm, not for me. I'm going to go out and make my own name. I'm going to go out and make my own way, my own path. And guess what happens? Well, as we all know, if you've lived more than 24 hours, waves of life come. And they're going to come. And the fool who didn't listen to God's word and build his life on it, when the waves of God came and the waves of life came, his life was a sandcastle. It was gone. It was wiped away. 
But the wise one, the wise one who heard God's word and says, you know what, that's the, that's, that's the wisdom and counsel of God, who heard God's word and says, I'm going to live my life according to God's pattern. I'm going to live my life according to God's word. I'm going to live my life for God's glory. Guess what happened to the wise one? You know what amazes me? The flood still came. The waves still came. And they were big. As a matter of fact, the waves were so big, it says it threatened everything he owned. I mean, threatened his very life. I know I can see your faces. How many of us have endured wave after wave after wave? But here is the good news. That all that we do in Christ Jesus, because he lives, is never useless. We are not building sandcastle lives. And no matter what waves wash our way, we can stand on Christ the solid rock. And what we do matters. And what we do endures. My brothers and sisters, wise people still build on Christ the solid rock. And thirdly, we have a victory that guarantees our future. Guarantees it. I love that when Jesus was resurrected, he wanted to make sure that his disciples saw him. He, you know, he told them what was going to happen. And they just seem to have had cotton in their ear or something like that. He says, listen, we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over to the chief priests and, and, and the rulers. They're going to crucify me. But in three days, I'm going to resurrect from the dead. It's going to be amazing. Go ahead to Galilee. I'm going to meet you there. And they just seemed to like, oh, oh, my goodness, what in the world happened? So when Jesus was resurrected the dead, he wanted to make sure that, that, that Peter and John and all of his disciples, they, they could really see him, see him as he is. And, and listen, there was more than that. Jesus wanted to show them the future. He says, let's, let's eat together, guys. Let me show you a resurrected body. They, they ate fish and broke bread. It was incredible. And then he said to those doubting Thomases in the crowd, he said, now listen, I know even standing here, you're having a hard time believing it because I know you saw me hanging on that tree. So listen, Thomas, why don't you grab your hand and why don't you carry it on over here to me and why don't you thrust it into the holes right here? Because I'm Jesus and I'm alive and I have a resurrected body and you someday will too Come and touch me. I live. The resurrected body was different than his other body. I mean, they couldn't recognize him right away. It was a glorified body, and it could pass through doors and stuff like we can't do now. But Jesus wanted us to know, this is me. Jesus made sure that others saw him too, not just his disciples. He made sure that 500 people were to see him before he ascended to heaven. And what was he doing? He was showing them something. Listen. He was showing us something, the future. He was showing us the future. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23, Jesus is called the first fruits of the resurrection. And he says there's a harvest to come. He's saying this is what you're going to be like. This is how we're going to have fellowship together in resurrected bodies. John, who got in a foot race and happened to outrace Peter uh, when they raced to the tomb. He later on wrote this about the resurrected Savior, Jesus. He says, yes, dear friends, we are already God's children. Let's just hit pause there for a minute. We are already God's children. If you, by God's grace, know and love Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right this moment, you are already God's children. But there's more to come. And we can't even imagine what we will be like when Christ returns. 
But we do know that when He comes, ready for this? When Jesus comes, we will be like Him. For we will see Him as He is. We'll be like Him. Have glorified bodies never to wrestle with sin again. Bodies that reign and souls that reign forever. Reigning and ruling with Jesus. Being like Him. Being like Jesus. Is there anything better than that? It's even better than winning a lottery ticket. You know, if you did win the lottery, you have to figure out where to store all your junk. Do you know that I've heard, and I think this is true, do you know that we're the only nation in the world that had storage facilities? Do you know that we accumulate so much junk in our life, so much stuff, that we can't even fit in our own houses? We have to go rent more space to put our stuff in there. It's pretty amazing about us, isn't it? Man, do we accumulate stuff. And you know what? <laughs> this, is, this is more comical. Not only are we the only nation with storage facilities, we have a top-rated TV show about storage spaces. What's wrong with us? Have you seen the show? It actually has a pretty depressing premise. Here's, here's the deal. You have a storage facility, you put your stuff in there. And something happens to your life that you're no longer able to maintain the facility. You surrender the rights to your stuff. Maybe you died. Maybe you moved away. Maybe you didn't want your stuff. But something happened that now the owner of the facility wants to go and get somebody else's stuff in there. So they're going to auction off your stuff. Take a hacksaw, get the lock off there. Everybody stands. You got a couple of bidders standing And here they go, the door kind of cracks open, you get a little peek in, are there treasures, is it junk? And they start bidding. Is there something icky about this? I mean, come on, tell me, really. Is there something like, I'm not sure if I should watch this or go take a shower. But they bid on people's stuff, hoping that what they find will be treasures, and they'll redeem their investment, and they'll make money, and celebrate that they got all this great treasure at somebody else's expense. You know, I want you to picture this. Your life like a storage unit. The storage unit of your life. And they're there, those standing before the storage unit of your life, bidding on the contents inside. Bidding on your life, your storage unit life. And there is God the Father. Alongside the prince of darkness alongside yourself and anybody else who would willingly bid on your storage unit life. I have good news. The father outbid them all. I have good news. The father says, I will bid for their storage unit lives. I will bid for their lives. I will bid my son. I will bid my only begotten son. I will pay the price. I will pay the price of God's blood. I will give his life for that storage unit life. He outbid everybody. Oh, what love he must have for us. He outbid everybody. And here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. He knew what was inside He knew that what was inside was not treasures, but just junk, just filth, just brokenness. 
And yet he bid anyway. And he bid everything he could bid. He couldn't bid more. He bid his own son. Why? So the storage units of our lives could be emptied out of all of its junk and be filled with the glory of God so that our lives, our very lives, can embrace the victory of what Christ has done for us. Why? So that our past and all of our junk, including our present and future junk, can be unhitched. The shame of it all. The power of it all. The death. Why? So that our lives don't have to be sandcastle lives. So that we're not just one big wave of everything wiping everything away. That right now, right here, our lives can have meaning and last in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can have a future. A future with God. So that we could truly become like Christ. Sinless a part of the family, and reign with him. That is the victory of Christ Jesus. Do you know it? Have you tasted it? There's nothing in the world like it. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we we, we don't have words to say thank you. How in the world, Father, could you, could you stand at the front of our storage, storage unit lives and know the filth and the junk inside? How in the world could you bid? I mean, you know everything. Nothing is hidden from you. You know that you knew the truth. And yet you still bid. And you held nothing back. Nothing. I can't. How much love do you have for us, Father, that you were willing to look to your son and say, I'll bid him. I'll bid his blood. Jesus, how much love do you have for us that you would come? That you would come knowing that you would have to crack open the the door of our lives and look inside. and, And Jesus, you wouldn't just see our sin and our junk, but you would become our sin and our junk so that we could have all of our past unhitched so that we could have the Holy Spirit inside of us and have our present empowered and have meaning so that we could have a future guaranteed and secured. Father, I pray for anyone here that doesn't, hasn't tasted this victory That this victory is just something that they've heard about, but nothing they've ever embraced. Oh God, how loving you are to say, come and share the victory. How foolish we would be to say, no, we won't take your bid. We'll just keep the door closed. We're all right with the junk we got. Maybe we'll win the lottery. God, may your spirit come with such power that there would be no one so foolish as to build their life upon sand. May there be no one so foolish to make as pretty of a sandcastle as they could build just to be washed away. God, would you come and allow us to build our lives from today and forevermore on Christ the solid rock. May we proclaim your victory everywhere we go. 
for your glory and for our joy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.